The following podcast contains spoilers for Point Break and the vanishing of Sydney Hall. You have been warned. Welcome back, everybody, to KFR News Radio. This is your host, Glenjamin Button, along with your host, Miguel Migusto. <laughs> that was a bit extra there. Yeah, it sounded figured, like uh, a. Figured it would be a nice little boxing match <laughs> that we'd have going on. I like it. I really like it. Hey, I got a question for you. I hopefully have an answer. All right. Uh, Randy McMurphy is the lead character in which 1970s movie? Jesus, I don't even know. Oh, I, I kind of say, who the fuck is that? Yeah, it's a. Uh, your choices are The Exorcist, A Clockwork Orange, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Jaws. Was leading role? Is that what you yeah. said? I believe um, he's so most commonly known as just McMurphy, but. To Jaws? Also, no, it's uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Hmm. But that's okay. That's the first one I got wrong. Yeah, not even I knew that. Not even I knew that. So uh, how you doing? How, how's uh, how's everything going? I'm surviving the trek. Uh, we were, had a little hiatus there where I didn't watch almost jack shit. Oh, yeah? So that was fun. Um, went to the beach. It was really hot there and cool. disgusting because it was humid. And I hate humidity. Me too. Me too. Did you see any any movies at all or just... Uh... Um, so seen it before but rewatched it with my mother and uh, stepdad. Uh fool's gold with matthew oh, mcconaughey oh no yeah i think that was the movie he made before the reconnaissance yeah no um, absolutely it was during his romantic uh yeah rom-coms going that, on that was the movie where he was just like fuck i gotta do something better than this mm. <laughs> yeah he had a couple more after that but definitely uh like girl uh, uh ghost of girlfriend some, past. Oh, that's it that's it yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but uh yeah that was Still not a fantastic movie. It's all right, though. Um, yeah. Real dumb, for sure. Uh, since then, we've I've watched a couple episodes of That 70s Show, jumped back into that wagon again for mm-hmm. just wasting time TV, uh, back on my Avatar, The Last Airbender, and watching The Rest of Friends. Basically, I'm trying to knock out my fucking TV shows that I've been putting off. Cool, cool. Since well, then, uh, it was just our movies. I saw... Let's see. With our movies included, nine movies in the past two weeks. Um, yeah, that's quite a bit. That's uh, four and a half movies each. Yeah, really. I started off with um, Spider-Man Homecoming, which mm-hmm. I only watched because I had a $10 off IMAX ticket for Spider-Man Far From Home. It always helps. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I should just watch this just to see if there's anything... Uh, that I really need to know going in. Guess what? There wasn't. There wasn't. Um, yeah. I mean, not not from uh, Homecoming, from Endgame and stuff. Yeah, but mm-hmm. not not Homecoming specifically. So it's a good thing I didn't pay for Homecoming. Um, yeah, they're both okay. Uh, I liked the Mysterio character, but it got old fast, kind of, in my yeah, opinion. I understand that. Um, but yeah, they're both enjoyable movies. Uh, I understand why people like them, but. Not my cup of tea, as we all know. Nope, not even a pot. Nothing. Then I saw the train wreck that was The Lion King, <laughs> and it is terrible. You know what's really funny? And made me angry. 
There's a lot of people saying how not good it is. Mm-hmm. And, like, they complain about it, and they keep, like, saying, like, ah, oh, Disney needs to stop making these movies. Well, if you're giving them the money... Yeah. Then you're defeating the purpose of your your shtick there. Yeah. Like, I, I just haven't seen it because I don't want to see it. They need to stop making live-action yeah, movies. Yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to... I don't really... They're going to do what they want, mm-hmm. really. Uh, the only thing that was annoying to me is that they went for realism over emotion. Mm-hmm. So the lions, all of the animals, with the exception of Rafiki, because he's a baboon, none of them emote at all. None of them have reactions on their faces for anything. So why the fuck? Wh- whose idea was that? that? That doesn't make any goddamn sense. Why would you, like, yeah, the CGI is great, but you took one of the most emotional Disney cartoons and made it just mm-hmm. blank and terrible and yeah not, just not good it is the worst movie i've seen this year i think the saddest thing about about it is john favreau's like he was direct, he directed it right yeah i've been watching because i've been going to a lot of dentist appointments here lately i've been watching a lot of cooking shows and whenever they ask like what is the best like inspiration like they always go to oh the chef that movie that john favreau made oh yeah and it always makes me sad because now he's doing everything for Disney. Yeah, I mean, he made he made Chef as an allegory for like how much happiness making independent movies gives him um, versus studio movies. But then he's followed it up with the Jungle Book remake, the Lion mm-hmm. King remake. Uh, he's got two more Disney movies. I mean, I don't blame him. That money's got to be sweet, but still. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't I don't blame him, but it's just also like it'd be one thing if he did like two of those movies and then one of his own and then two of those movies and one of his own. Yeah. He's not. He just seems to be full, full throttle, uh, making studio Disney movies. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, it is what it is. I still like him. I I think, like you said, Chef is a great movie and it's probably one of the, the better independent movies in the past five, six years. So, um, then I saw, uh, art, the art of self-defense, with uh, Jesse Eisenberg, where uh, he's like this. It's kind of like my movie, Eugene versus Humanity, mm-hmm. only he, instead of just blowing up and becoming a killer, he, he starts doing karate. Um, I really liked it. It's a very dry humor throughout, so I don't know if you would care I, for it that much. You're definitely going to like it. <laughs> what? So then you're definitely going to like it. Yeah, yeah. It, it is really... It's, it's, it's really hard to explain. It's... I, I, I kind of felt awkward in the movie just because I was the only one laughing yeah. and no one else got the humor. It is it is very dark f- humor, though. Um, like, I don't know if you saw the movie Fal- uh, Faults with... Um, I don't think so. What's her name? Oh, man. Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Uh, she's like a cult member and then uh her parents hire this guy to kind of kidnap her and deprogram her um nope (laughs) yeah it's really good but it's kind of like it's it's a more bizarre coen brothers style if you ask Mm me um but it's really good i i really enjoyed both of those movies um so yeah that was a good one uh i saw traffic which I had the DVD from Netflix forever and then just finally got around to seeing it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, it's two and a half hours long, so I was kind of putting it off. Yeah. Um, it's okay. I, I think the last hour is much better than the first hour and a half. 
Um, but it's a, uh, it's an old like digital movie. I believe it was digital. It looked really, uh, crappy quality. I mean, it was clear, but it was just, you know, it had, <laughs> had a lot of it had a lot of grain and and yeah, I understand and, and shit. But yeah, it is it is what it is. It's it was fine. Uh, then I watched Crawl, the movie with Dang. the alligators. Yeah. Um, it was okay, but I really... Sharknado in Alabama? Yeah. I really appreciated... Like, everything made sense. Like, nothing was an extremely dumb decision. Yeah. With the exception of why her dad was down in the crawl space during a hurricane anyway. But they also were unclear of how long he was down there. Yeah. So it's one of those things where he could have been down there for, like, a day or so and... and you know, it, he he just got stuck down there. Um, they they never clear that up. Other than that, everything like makes sense. They make decisions that aren't overly stupid. And but it, you know, it's just it's just jump scares, really. Um, Gotta love them. Yeah, it's fine. It's it, not as much as a lot of other horror movies, but yeah, it, it was better than I thought it was going to be. But it's still not that great. And then finally. Ugh, <laughs> I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, Quint- I'm, I'm trying to get myself to go around to see it. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino's new movie. Um, uh, it was slow moving, but I really enjoyed it. Uh, the ending <laughs> really is crazy. Um, Sounds like one of his movies. Yeah, exactly. So it's it, it's it's good. I really liked it. Uh, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to give too much away. But it was a. It didn't feel like a Cohen or not Cohen Brothers. I, I would hope so. <laughs> yeah, it didn't feel like a Quentin Tarantino movie until like the end. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like it would be like from the trailers and such. Yeah, but it, it was still enjoyable. I like that he's kind of trying something different. Um, yeah, and it was kind of relatable to watch an actor who's kind of past his prime, which is the character Leonardo DiCaprio plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was uh, it was fun to watch. So, uh, yeah. There's a lot of articles on that movie about how, like, misogynistic it is. Is this true? Because I also would say that it would... It's taking place in, what, the 50s? 60s. 60s. Um, so, like, it makes sense? I don't see how. Yeah, I've, I mean, seen, a, I've seen a good few... The only thing is he, Quentin Tarantino still has this thing with feet. <laughs> classic man. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see the only reason. The only thing I could see is that people are projecting their feelings or how they think it's trying, what it's trying to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only thing that I can think of is that no one, no woman really sticks up for themselves, but they're never put in a situation where they kind of have to. Yeah. And then the one time that they are, they do stick up for themselves <laughs> and then run away. Uh-huh. But I mean, like if you, some clickbait. if, if you're facing someone who's trying to hurt you and then you are able to knock them down and knock them out, I would run away too. Like, mm. I, and I'm probably bigger than most people that would try to attack me. <laughs> I would knock them down and then run away. <laughs> Uh, I, I I don't know. I'd, I'd have to read one of those articles just to see what they're saying. Um, like, There's probably more clickbait than anything. Yeah, it didn't strike me as that other than the feed thing, but that's just Quentin Tarantino. And the one thing I really did like, though, uh, Margot Robbie plays Sharon Tate. And with every other character, 
Actually, no, that's not true. Um, no, yeah, no, it is true. With every other character, like, if they put them into old movies, they put the actual actor into old movies. Like, like uh, they put um, Leonardo DiCaprio into the movie in, instead of having the actor who's normally there. Yeah. Um, but with uh, Margot Robbie playing Sharon Tate, they just had Sharon Tate, which I don't know if you know anything about Sharon Tate, but she's one of the people that was killed by the Manson family. I did um, not. Now I do. Yeah. So uh, it was kind of nice, just a, a little homage to her and just kind of keeping her work out there, even though they could have just easily replaced her and no one would have thought twice about it. So, but yeah, that's uh, those are the movies I saw other than our two movies. So I guess we should just get into it. Let's do it. Let's start with Point Break. coast of Southern California, you can only surf, party, and make love for so long before it's time to go to work. Rock and roll. Oh, man. We're going Swayze over here. Crazy for Swayze. Um, so Point Break, directed by Catherine Bigelow, stars Patrick Swayze, Keanu Reeves, Gary Busey, and a handful of other people. Uh, written by Rick King and uh, W.P. Uh, Elif. Uh, is about the story of an FBI agent who goes undercover to catch a gang of surfers who may be bank robbers. Mm-hmm. Short and sweet. Yeah, short and sweet. It's really, really it. Yeah, um, had, had you seen this before? I had, I had definitely seen it before. Okay. Um, there was there was a string back when I was watching the 365 movies where I was just watching Swayze movies back to back. And that's what it seems to be that we're doing on KFR now. Uh, I'm hoping <laughs> that this for, is it. <laughs> <laughs> joke's on you. Oh, no. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> um, but no, I, um, this, this movie is classic one of those classic 80 movies that people reference from time to time well, or, i'm sorry 90 90s it, it is early enough in the 90s where i still consider it like an 80s style yeah, it's it's definitely there for sure yeah. um rewatching it again i mean it's it's one of the again the guilty pleasures to me it's definitely not a good movie <laughs> or a great movie, not, I should say. Not at all. It's not a great movie. It's it's a yeah. guilty pleasure for sure, just like Roadhouse. It was Roadhouse fun. Yeah, more. it's it's definitely fun. I'll give it that. Um, Johnny Utah is quite possibly the worst FBI it's agent. The ever. most terrible name for sure. It's a terrible name, and he's just a terrible FBI agent. Like mm-hmm. he does everything wrong. Like Bodie, I am an FBI agent. <laughs> That line kills me, man. Yeah, Johnny Utah, they they know. The fact that you can't tell that they know <laughs> shows that you're a bad FBI agent. Uh, one thing that surprised me is Gary Busey is actually pretty good in this. I was expecting mm-hmm. him to be, like, absolutely insane. Like Gary but, Busey. <laughs> yeah, Gary Busey. I don't know if this was pre or post motorcycle accident. It was, I believe, pre. Pre, yeah, but he, he was actually pretty good, and... Keanu Reeves, I love Keanu Reeves, so I, I want to preface this by saying that. Um, but he's not a great actor. Thank you. I, I don't want to. I never want to be that person to say that. Yeah, I mean, I I love his. Like movies. he's fantastic in uh, John Wick's and stuff like that. Yeah, he's he's good in movies where he's not supposed to have a lot of emotion. Yeah. Um. That being said, this there are moments where he's his he's doing his best acting. 
but then there's also moments where he's doing his worst acting. Yeah. <laughs> like it's all over the place. Like, like there's parts where I'm just like, Oh, okay. You know, he, he's definitely doing well now. And then it's just, I'm an FBI agent. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really all over the place. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and it's one of the things that really holds the movie back. Mm-hmm. Um, other than, other than know, the premise. It's, it's, yeah. It's plot. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, the stunts is like obviously the newer version of Point Break. That what was that, 2015 yeah. or so? 20 did, yeah, did way better with the stunts for, but for back then, the stunts they were pretty good in yeah. this movie. Uh, I could have done with probably 90% less surfing montages. Oh my god, yeah. My favorite part <laughs> is when they're like on the beach and it's it's Keanu and uh Lori Petty just looking at. Patrick Swayze surfing and they're like who's that that's Bowdy and then like he's surfing all these waves but anybody who goes to the beach knows that waves come in like at least forms of 15 seconds he's just riding continuous waves yeah. after waves yeah it's uh, that's and hilarious not like, only so that, these guys can... are literally standing there watching him for like five minutes surfing yeah not only that but you can tell it's a stunt double like it does not yeah. look like Patrick Swayze at all Patrick I'm... Swayze in the hair man I'm Ooh. fairly certain that the person who his, is his stunt double played someone else in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know the name. It or could be possible. Maybe it was uh, Nathaniel. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. But uh, someone else was riding those waves for as Patrick Swayze. And then they, he showed up later. And I'm just like... What do you? What do you do? You what? If you're gonna if you're gonna have a stuntman whose face is obviously shown, who's supposed to be one of the main characters, don't also give that person a walk on part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Anthony Kiedis showed up with just the worst hair, absolutely garbage hair. <laughs> Yeah, man, the the hair. There's a lot of hair in this movie. Yeah, he, he Anthony Kiedis's hair was like Mr. T mixed with like surfer Rastafarian shit. I, <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it, but it was awful. But as soon as his face showed up, they, the was, first time we see him, it's like an extreme close up. I'm like, oh, it's Anthony yeah, Kiedis. <laughs> it was those those three dudes that were. <laughs> They just had the worst hair. And then the one dude yeah. had like a biker goatee or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Bunker, the guy who played Bunker. Yeah. But um Yeah, he was just a terrible FBI agent. Like I was as annoying as it was, other un, 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 until they were arresting him for what was obviously a hostage situation where like he wasn't an accomplished to murder, he was a hostage in that situation. Mm-hmm. And they were arresting him. But other, up until then, I was completely on uh, John C. McGinley's side, who is his boss. I'm just like, yeah, you're you're fucking up, dude. And then they were arresting him for uh, that bank robbery where the uh, off-duty police officer was shot. And I'm like, this is obviously a hostage situation. Like, he also got shot. So how is this his fault at all? Yeah, there's a lot to unpackage there. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But as but far overall, as I'm concerned, that's some 90s logic, 80s, 90s logic. So. Overall, I did enjoy it. I thought it was fun. Um, I enjoyed it more than Roadhouse, although I gave them both the same rating. But this just like slightly tipped over uh, the edge for me. I think it really helps with all the stunts. And that's 
that's that's a big part of it yeah and i think for me like this wasn't as hyped up as roadhouse was and yeah. when i went into roadhouse i was expecting something absolutely batshit insane um and it just wasn't but this no. this was this was pretty much what i expected to be a uh, subpar 90s action movie that doesn't really make sense but it's just kind of fun um but yeah, it's it's it is what it is. Uh, Catherine Bigelow directed, who went on to be the first female to win an Oscar for directing. Uh, she did that for The Hurt Locker, um, and she she won two for The Hurt Locker, one for Best Motion Picture as well. Um, but yeah, she she's a great great director. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was her sixth movie. It looks like a uh, fourth feature. Um, Although it was executive produced by James Cameron, which I did not like to see. Yeah, I saw that too. I'm like, ooh. Oh, no. There's a name. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of James Cameron, but I think we all know that. Um, I, I have, I'll be honest. I don't have too much to say, but it's it's really hard to review movies from the 80s and 90s, like like these ones at least, the yeah. action ones. Um, it was a fun movie. It's It's over the top. It's uh, Keanu Reeves, Patrick Swayze, yeah. the most handsome people in the nineties. I, f- I feel like I feel like the ending really fell apart. Yeah, where it just didn't make sense at all. I was like, "What are you doing? What is going on?" <laughs> and, I just wanted to ride that wave, man. Yeah, ride that wave. That that part I could have like dealt without. And then and then just to to show that he didn't learn anything, <laughs> Johnny fucking Utah. Let a international fugitive go Mm -hmm. to surf a wave. Yes, he was going to die. But guess what? When you're an FBI agent, your job is to bring someone in alive if possible. (laughs) And he had Johnny Utah. (laughs) He had him (laughs) and he let him go. So Johnny Utah learned nothing throughout the entirety. His partner died. His his girlfriend almost died many people that he hung out with that he was doing undercover cop stuff with died and Listen, he learned at the end of absolutely the day, nothing you can't beat bromance bromance has to die the way it needs to die and if it's by a 75 <laughs> mile wave let it be yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the oh, only, this, what? what this movie was also known as johnny utah so I think it had a working title just of Johnny Utah. That's such a that you Utah. Even what's funny is even professionally he went by Johnny. Yeah, not Jonathan. Um, like John Utah, just I mean, it doesn't sound much better, but yeah, it is what it is. But Utah is obviously just a fake name. Hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't uh, know either. The only the only fun fact I have left about this movie is my mom named her uh, her one wiener dog Bodie after Patrick Swayze's character. I think I think you remember three. me telling me that, which is that, hilarious. That is pretty hilarious. <sighs> got anything else for this one? That's all I got. Twenty-seven banks in three years. Everybody Anything to catch the perfect wave. I'm not a crook. Patrick Swayze. Fear causes hesitation. And hesitation will cause your worst fears to come true. Keanu Reeves. And you think I joined the FBI to learn to surf? Point break. Adios, amigo! 
So let's move on to The Vanishing of Sydney Hall. Tell me if this sounds familiar. A man walks into a store. He searches for a certain section of books. He takes out a can of lighter fluid. I know why he burned the books. Why? Because he wrote them. Sydney Hall, one of the best writers of our time. I've been searching for him for years. I wonder if you know this man. Sydney was one of our brightest students. He was brilliant. What if I wrote a novel? What would it be about? Is your name Melody? No, 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 wait. Why do you keep running away from me? Because it's fun. You've been number one on the bestseller list for eight months. I'm seeing things. Things that aren't there. Written by Sean Christensen and Jason Dolan. Directed by Sean Christensen. And starring Logan Lerman, Al Fanning, Kyle Chandler, and Michelle Monaghan. The Vanishing of Sydney Hall is about an author... Sydney Hall, who finds accidental success and unexpected love at an early age, then disappears without a trace. Uh, upon further review of that synopsis, I don't think it does it much justice. It does justice. not do it justice at all. Uh, I mean, it's a nice, short, and sweet kind of description of the movie, but mm -hmm. it's a lot more complicated than that. Oh, very much. Um, um, so, I, I watched I watched the trailer after seeing this movie because I mm -hmm. saw somebody was like, don't ever watch the trailers before. I don't know why. I'd the trailer like 40... for this movie? Yeah, and it pretty much gives away the whole movie. Oh, does it? Oh, I'm glad I didn't watch the trailer then. Same. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's... it's uh... Sorry to cut you off. No, it's trying fine. to pick up where you left off. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to try to explain what happens in this the best I can. So this is kind of, it's a nonlinear story about Sidney Hall. Uh, it starts with him in high school, kind of leading up to the events that inspires him to write a book, which is uh, one of his acquaintances killing himself in front of his parents. So he writes a book essentially about that. It becomes like this international bestseller uh, and then one of his fans kills himself in front of his parents and they kind of just assume, well, rightfully assume because mm -hmm. the kid was obsessed with this book that this was the inspiration for that. Um, and this kind of makes him spiral into like this depression. Uh, he also has a brain injury that takes, uh, part of it, uh, you know, kind of accelerates his depression and hallucinations, um, also his wife dies, which accelerates that too, but you don't find that out until the end. Um, and, and it's just, it's a really complex character story about someone who got everything they ever wanted and it still was not enough. Yeah. Um, which I really liked. I really enjoyed this movie. It was, uh, way more compelling than I thought it was going to be. Um, which I don't know why, because Sean Christensen, I think, is a great director. Like I said, he directed my favorite short film, Curfew, and that is a really emotional character study, uh, just as this is. And it just, for some reason, it had more complexity to it than I thought it did. For sure. I'll be honest. I woke up this morning and was like, shit, I had two weeks and I still didn't watch this movie. <laughs> um, so I turned it on and I immediately got right into it. Not saying that the uh, first couple lines of the movie had anything to do with it, but it's uh, quite, <laughs> quite intriguing. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, he, honestly, I was a little 
annoyed. It literally could have went two different ways from yeah. the opening lines. Yeah, the opening line, he, he's talk, he's like essentially writing this thing about well, like... I have it right here if you want me to quote it. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <clears throat> Gloria. <laughs> she had a virginal quality that contrasted with her ice, cool outer shell. Yeah, she was a bitch for sure. Her breasts, her cheekbones, her legs. She saw that in the mirror every morning and was well aware of the power she or they held for men. No one could touch her or intimidate her. I once saw Brad Dorsey, the captain of a soccer team, crying by his locker. She had dumped him after one date and took his balls with her. From that day forward, he never played sports again. And it goes on from there. Yeah. But it's and just it about masturbating and ridiculous about yeah. him being sick, in sixth grade masturbating to her and shit like that. I'm like, oh, this could go literally two yeah. different ways. <laughs> and when I heard that, I was like, oh, Sean Christensen, what is you doing? Mm-hmm. Oh, baby, what <laughs> oh, is you doing? What is you doing? And, but then you find out that he's just kind of fucking with his English teacher, mm-hmm. which made me love the character like even more right away. Not that, you know, I condone that or anything, but yeah. in a movie, I think it's hilarious. In real life, you're just being an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's... Uh, I, I was really worried when that was happening, and then when they revealed that he was reading that in front of an English English class, I just started laughing. <laughs> yeah, well, especially at, when you find at out. that moment you're sitting there, you're thinking, "Oh, this could either go very poorly the rest of the next two hours, or hopefully better." And it yeah. gets a lot better. It picks up so fast. Oh, definitely. Not, not like pace wise, but like it it gets better as a movie as a whole. Definitely, especially with the characterizations and everything like that. Yeah. Um, but I really thought the character of Sidney Hall was fascinating, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, it is a little predictable what's going to happen, especially at the book signing, but I don't think they're trying to hold it back. Yeah. I think that part's supposed to be, um, you know, um, predictable. But it it just gets more compelling with that, with, like, you know, just the, the mention at the doctor when he gets an MRI, like, oh, you have a lot of scar tissue. Did you get brain damage? Mm-hmm. But before he can answer, he just leaves the doctor's office. You find yeah. out later he does. He did, did have a brain injury that was never treated um, when he had a fight with his mom. And it's just a whole bunch of stuff like that. They withhold just enough information, but give you just enough information to keep you hooked. Yeah, you're always sitting there like, are they ever going to get back to that? And they finally do, all pretty much at the end of the movie, and it's a nice little wrap-up. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the acting's great. I think Logan Lerman, I feel like he's one of the best younger actors who... He's really good at playing sad. (laughs) Oh, yeah, he was (laughs) fantastic. Like in... Do you see Perks of Being a Wallflower? Uh, yes, I did. He's he plays like this depressed uh, uh, wallflower, if you will. Uh, that's kind of the whole point of the movie, and, and he plays that very convincingly. And he did that in this. Um, regarding his character and uh, Al Fanning's character, the only thing I wish is when they were older. I wish they did more to make them look older. Yeah, because they still look like they're in high school, just wearing like adult clothes. When um, Logan Lerman had a beard. It kind of and longer hair. It kind of scared me because he looked like for a solid half an hour. I'm sitting there like, who the fuck does this guy look like? He looked like Jared Leto. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. It's um, weird. Definitely. Uh, and, and kind of going back to throwing hints your way. This entire time they're saying he's up for the Pulitzer Prize, mm-hmm. but he's worried he's going to lose out to this one guy um, whose name I can't remember. His first name is Francis. I know that. Francis. Uh, oh God damn it. Is it Brown? No. 
And of course, IMDb has him as the searcher. Yeah, so. I mean that's necessary. It's like Francis Pope or, or Pope Francis. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pope Francis. Yeah. So Pope Francis, uh, he, he's worried he's going to lose the Pulitzer to Pope Francis. You find out later that he does. But this guy who is going around uh, flashing a detective badge, um, following his, because because I don't know if I said it, but he goes around burning his own books in libraries in the country because he thinks that they should. Uh, should not be bought or read. Um, and Kyle Chandler plays the guy, this guy who you think is a detective the whole time following him. And then you find out that it's just the author that beat him out for Bishop. the Pulitzer. Bishop. Bishop. Francis Bishop. I was so close. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> you were close. Pope and Bishop. It was going to, it was going to kill me. Yeah. So I, I thought that was a really cool, you know, yeah, that element. whole that whole wraparound was so nice. Yeah, especially because like you, you, it seems like this cliche always oh, being hunted by this detective. Mm-hmm. The de- detective's going to be obsessed with him or whatever, and he's kind of obsessed with him, but you know for a completely different reason. He just wanted, wants to write a biography about him. And I don't know about you, but when he is kind of when everything is kind of wrapping up in the last twenty minutes or so, so it is so emotional that it, like, it, it just it kind of hits you like that you, last like half an hour to 45 minutes man that yeah. was so good like you find out why his his high school acquaintance killed himself mm-hmm. you find out everything uh, comes full circle how his wife died you find out why he is kind of a nomad at this point just wandering across the country with no money no name etc using pseudonyms and all that and and it's it's a really powerful punch at the end, and I could see why some people would probably turn it off before then. Although I found it very interesting, I could see why others wouldn't. But that that payoff is definitely worth it if you do find it a little slower. Yeah, it's interesting, like how many like not good reviews I'm seeing for this. Like I I'll be honest, I love this movie. Yeah, I thought it was too. fantastic. Same here. Um, and then there's people just spamming like how predictable it is and how. Just everything like that. I'm like, that's mm. that's the. I feel like a lot of people nowadays, especially with people trying to be smarter than movies, to them, predictable is synonymous with bad, and that's just not the case. Yeah. Like, I mean, Marvel movies are extremely predictable, but I wouldn't say they're bad. Yeah. I would say they're they're definitely not for me, but I can understand why people like them. Um, and I feel like a lot of people just... And I feel like that's another reason why M. Night Shyamalan gets a bad rap, because a lot of his movies, while kind of hiding behind a twist, the twist is often predictable. Um, and it's just... It, it doesn't mean it's bad, you know? It's, they it's, also, especially from M. Night Shyamalan, they expect masterpieces. So, like, when yeah. they don't get that, it's like, it's like I mean, when, shit. When you're... When you're uh, I mean, technically, it wasn't his first movie. When your second and third movie is Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, I could yeah. understand why people... It's It sucks for you, but I can understand why people are expecting masterpieces, because mm-hmm. both of those are masterpieces. Um, but yeah, like just because you predicted a movie does not necessarily mean it's bad. I can understand it making it less enjoyable for you, Yeah. but this to me did not strike as the kind of movie that was... All of its worth is in the twist. Because uh, I don't really think there is a twist in this. Like, I mean, it's pretty blatant, straightforward stuff. Yeah, like you're very aware that Brett Newport at some point, who play, who's his high school acquaintance, uh, you're very aware that he killed himself. Um, you have an idea that he inspired the writing of the book. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and then also with his wife not being anywhere to, around, you kind of assume she has died too, or is it so estranged that she doesn't even care that he's no longer around? Yeah. Um. So yeah, like none of it's really hiding, in my opinion. So I don't, I don't understand what the big deal is about it being predictable. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't get it either. So, I mean, it is what it is. People have their opinions. We yeah. have ours. So there's that. <laughs> Definitely. Um. Just the, I, I thought the cast in this was brilliant. Yeah, like I everyone, agree. pretty much. Yeah, Nathan Lane, I thought was going to be dis- so. Nice I thought he touch. was going to be distracting, but he wasn't. He blended in very well. Yeah, um, especially even, during even the, though he wasn't wearing pants. Yeah, <laughs> even uh, during the press conference after the the, the fan kills himself, like mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be humorous because it's Nathan Lane and it wasn't I mean it was humorous for other reasons just because he was playing like yeah I don't give a shit yeah but it, it wasn't like Nathan Lane being all over the place um I thought the music was fantastic the uh score is by Darren Moritz um I thought it was a great great score uh Sean Christensen as usual is great um Daniel Katz uh did the uh videography or cinematography and so Michelle Monahan, Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, yeah. The, everything's solid in this entire. I, know, I always like Kyle Chandler. Yeah, no matter Kyle what Chandler's great. Yeah, he, he's a good um, supporting character. I mean, he'd probably be good as a a lead character too, but he's definitely good supporting. But yeah, I, I don't have much to say. This is a fantastic movie, and uh, you should check it out if you haven't already. Just don't listen to the critics while watching it, and don't watch the trailer. Yeah, exactly. Just go into it. Go into it blind. Don't even listen to that. Go into most <laughs> movies blind. Yeah, Honestly, I, I like, still. I'm trying to do that. Like I, now that I'm not like, yeah, a usher or anything at Regal, I just kind of just jump into a movie. Yeah, like I, I try to. Uh, I'll, I might see the first trailer, but past that, I try to avoid anything else. Yeah, it's also um, my fault why I don't go see movies that often because I'm like, oh, that looks all right. Yeah, I mean that's why I just kind of look at Fandango. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of times, like I, I'll, if I'm hooked on a trailer in the first thirty seconds, I'll probably I'll just like turn it off. Like for instance, it too, for me. Yeah. Oh my we don't god! Need to I'm see so anymore. excited to that. We do not need to see anymore. Just give me the movie. Um, exactly. All two in uh, forty-five minute hour mark. Right? Two hours forty-five minutes, really? Yep. Oh shit! Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be fun. All right. Uh, you got anything else for Vanishing of Sydney Hall? Is all I've got. Oh wait. Oh. One quote. So, like, if this was a Glens Day video, there was a quote in this movie that just hit hit me hard. And it was at the end of the movie after uh, his wife had died. Um, I I wrote it down because this is where, like, if if you watch the Glens Day video, I always put my favorite quote from the movie. And this is my favorite quote from this movie. Uh, Not the masturbating speech from the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Although Uh, that was pretty great. Once Melody left me, it dawned on me. Looking out at all the wonderful city lights, that I was just one of those millions of city lights, a tiny little pixel, buried within the white noise of life, blinking on for just a brief second in time. And that definitely solidified like how he was such a good author in the movie, too. Oh, yeah. And it just hits you. You're like, oh, shit, man, that's really sad. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's all I got now. <laughs> I really want to write something that's going to shake people up. You should get on that. Be sure to take me with you. You should write about me. You know who my father is. Doesn't mean I should write a book about him. You'll be singing a different tune tomorrow. What happens tomorrow? 
This book is a dangerous sign of the times. How do you feel about the book burnings? I apologize for nothing. I'm being followed. And I don't know what he wants, but he knows everything about me. No one has claimed to see or hear from Sydney Hall in over five years. Now, how is that possible? Everywhere I go, he's with me. You were one of the last people to see him alive. That's not a beginning to a great book. I don't know what is. The entire course of a person's life can change in a millisecond. This has to end. Sydney, what's going on? What is this? It's nice on what you think. Give me the information about Sydney Hall, and you will never see me again. All right, so that does it for Point Break and The Vanishing of Sydney Hall. Let's move on to The Judgment. Clenjamin Button. Yes. Does Point Break become a shelf boy for you? No. If Roadhouse isn't going to make Shelf Boy, Point Break can't make a Shelf Boy. <laughs> I agree. Uh, it's definitely fun to watch, but uh, nothing to brag about, really. So, Point Break does not make it onto the shelf, but let's talk about The Vanishing of Sydney Hall. Mm. I think we already kind of went over this. It, it is Pretty a great much. movie. It is a hidden gem, in my opinion. Um, another A24 classic, if you ask me. Uh, so I'm going to say yes, it is a Shelf Boy. I will also say the yes. Yes. So, Point Break does not make it onto the shelf. The Vanishing of Sydney Hall does make it onto the shelf. That brings us to next week's films. Uh, who went first last time? Was it me? You know, at this point, I, yeah, it, it was two weeks ago. You go first. All right. So, since we're going off the rails on this Swayze train. Oh, no. I'll give you two options. Oh, God. Do you want Dirty Dancing oh, or Ghosts? Oh, fuck. I've avoided both of those movies for good reason. Good, because we're not watching either of them. I actually oh, did something else. Oh, thank God. I just God. wanted to say that line going off the rails of the Swayze Journey. All right, I will give you two you, different Glenn. options. Do you want to stick with an 80s movie, even though that was a 90s movie, but it felt like 80s? Or do you yeah. want to go with Elle Fanning movie? Um... I think... I don't know if I've made it clear. It's I'm not, not a, it's not eighties action. I'll give you that. It's not eighties eighties drama. Eighties drama. I think I'm kind of tuckered out for the eighties at the moment. So uh That's let's go very, with Elf Fanning. Sorry, Jodie Foster. Um so we've got twentieth century women. Ooh, I've seen that. Uh, and that uh, is directed by Mike Mills, written by Mike Mills, stars Annette Benning, Elle Fanning, Greta Gerwig. And uh, what's his name? Billy Crudup. Um, and it's about the story of a teenage boy, his mother, and two other women uh, who help raise him among the love and freedom of South California of 1979. So pretty much we're almost still at the ni- or 80s. Yeah, but it's, it feels it, like it. It wasn't it's made. A it wasn't made then. So no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where can we watch that? Uh, that is going to be, I believe, on Netflix. Mm. Yes, it is on Netflix. Netflix sponsor us. Mm-hmm. My film is also on Netflix. Netflix sponsor us. Yes. Uh, it is directed by Adam Egoyan, 
written by Benjamin August and starring Christopher Plummer, Kim Roberts, Martin Landau, and Amanda Smith. Um, it is called Remember, and it tells the story of, with the aid of a fellow Auschwitz survivor and a handwritten letter, an elderly man with dementia goes in search of the person he believes to be responsible for the death of his family in the death camp to kill him himself. Uh, hmm. So a little a little revenge thriller there um, with uh, Christopher Plummer, who I think is uh, vastly underrated. Uh, and I look forward to watching this. Like I said, again, it's on Netflix. Netflix sponsor us. So our next week's films, both on Netflix. <laughs> How many times can I say Netflix, Netflix sponsor us? Sponsor us. Uh, we have the, what is it? 20th Century 20th Women. 20th Century Women. And Remember. But you know what? What's really funny is you, you said remember in the back of my IMD page is uh, Mufasa and Simba. So it's just like, yeah. remember. Remember. <laughs> in, well, in that voice. Well, uh, yeah, that'll do it for this week. As always, you can follow us on Instagram, Keystone underscore film underscore review. On Facebook, we are Keystone Film Review. And on Letterboxd, I'm Mike KFR. And I am Glenn KFR. And we will talk about more movies next week because we got no life. Oh, boy. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.